That was really beautiful. It was really good. And it's coming on again. It's coming on again. There you go. Hello, everyone. Hello. I am dressed very similarly to Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott's great influence on my life, but clothing, I don't think it's one of them. I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm just gonna be honest. It's not one of them. It's not one of them. Great influence on my life, though. I give him credit for a lot of things, but clothing, that's looking slow. Um, I'm excited to be here once again. My friend, Jake Palmer, made an astute observation this morning. I walked into church, and usually we get mic'd up with the headset. And Jake said, so, J- so Jalen, you're finally giving up on the headset, Mike. It's just, it's just not ever going to work. And of course, of course, Jake took the moment to say, isn't it amazing how it never works for you, but it works for everyone else? So obviously, you're the problem. You know what I'm saying? Say, so thank you, Jake. I really appreciate that. So yeah, so, so, so this is now my new format. I'm just going to do the handheld because the other one just does not love me the way that I deserve to be loved. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So we are going to continue into our gospel series in the gospel of John, right? And this has been a wonderful time. I think it has been really a great privilege just to spend time with Jesus, right? I feel like this is the first time when we really have just dug into the words and the teachings of Jesus. And we're going to continue that today. We're in John chapter 3 this morning. And the main topic of our text this morning is spiritual rebirth, right? Being born of the Spirit. What does it mean to live a life by the Spirit? Now, I want to put out a disclaimer. So I have been studying and reading about Nicodemus all week, right? And I feel like we've reached a point in our relationship where we give each other nicknames. So this morning, you're going to hear me refer to Nicodemus as Nico. That's literally what I call Nicodemus. I also call him Neek as, as well. So this morning, I feel like Nicodemus and I are very familiar with each other, and that's now that, that's literally what I call him. So, so as we're talking, I'm not going to be saying Nicodemus probably. I'm going to be saying Nico. What's up, Nico? Neek, my boy, right? So this text, if I'm being honest with you, church, hit me in a way that I did not expect. Because as I was diving into this text, this, this, this idea and topic of spiritual rebirth, I think sometimes as Christians, we can look at a text like this and we, and, and where Jesus is saying, you must be born again. We look at a text like this and say, okay, you know, I've been born again. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. So what does this have to do with me? Right? What's fascinating about that perspective is that Nicodemus, my boy Nico, probably thought the exact same thing because when you look at Nico right he was the text said that he was a let me get it right Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees a ruler of the Jews what this means is that Nick Nico Nicodemus is a man that is a representative of the institution of Judaism right he is a teacher of of the law he has been specially trained to lead synagogue worship services and to be a spiritual guide and spiritual counsel for the people of god and you have this great teacher of the jews come to jesus and and and, and he, he doesn't come to jesus as a passive observer right he's not a rando he's seen jesus at work right? He's seen Jesus perform miracles. He's seen Jesus do the things that Jesus does. And he comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, obviously you are from God. 
That's what he says. It's interesting, too, right, because he calls Jesus rabbi, which denotes supreme respect, knowing full well that Jesus had not gone through any rabbinic training, right? He had not gone through any training required of a rabbi, but his deity and his divinity was so ever-present by what he did and who he was, he calls Jesus rabbi. Obviously, you are God. And Jesus being Jesus says, okay, thank you. I already knew that, but thank you. Since you recognize that I am God, let me tell you what you must do to get into the kingdom of heaven. Let me share with you, Nico, what is required of you to enter into my father's kingdom. And Jesus is going to blow Nicodemus' mind, right? He's going to say to Nico, you must be reborn. You must be born again. And Nico, like so many of us in this situation, looks at Jesus, right? And to summarize his response, he says to to Christ, what a strange thing to say. That's a little weird. You're saying that I got to be what now? Born again? And I love Nicodemus. He literally takes it literally. He says, right, truly I say to you that, this this is what Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What a strange thing to say. This is patently weird, right? This is weird. But what's interesting about this, right, and and Pastor Scott talked about this last week, in the book of John, what we recognize throughout this book is that there's always deeper meaning. There's always these double meanings. There's always these deeper spiritual truths at work and at play. And this is why Jesus is making this statement, right? He's saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again, number one, to receive salvation, obviously. Right. To be reborn means that you need to be reborn from above. Fascinating enough, that word again translated in the Greek, the word for for, for again, it, it can be translated for it can be translated as again, but it also can be translated as above. So you must be born from above. Right. There's a spiritual rebirth, Nicodemus that you must go through. Don't be silly. I'm not silly. I'm Jesus. You know good and doggone well. I ain't talking about going back into your mama's womb. Who do you think I am? Don't be silly. Don't play with me. Right? That's how I imagine Jesus talking to Nicodemus. That's how I imagine him doing it. But there is a spiritual rebirth that one must go through to enter into the kingdom of God. And, and, And the reason why I think this is important It's because when one is born of the spirit, when one is spiritually reborn, it 
qualitatively makes us different human beings. It, 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 it reframes, it reforms, it, 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 it fundamentally transforms who we are, right? To be born of the Spirit, huh? It, 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 it is calling us into a new way of knowing. It is calling us into a new way of being. And this new way of being cannot be grasped by the earth. It cannot be grasped by worldly systems, worldly structures, worldly opinions, worldly philosophies. It can only be grasped by the power of the Spirit, right? And this is what Jesus is calling us into. And see, as Christians, right, for those of us who claim to be Christians, for those of us who confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this text for me this week was a wake-up call, right? Because there are times, if I'm, being honest, if I'm honest with myself, right, in my daily life, there are things that the Lord might say to me, and I might be like Nicodemus. What a strange thing to say, Lord. You want me to do what now? Right? And that's when God would step in and say, strange according to who? Weird according to who? How are you viewing what I'm saying? Are you viewing it merely through an earthly perspective? Or are you viewing it through a spiritual lens and according to the spiritual rebirth that you had to undergo to be my follower? Let me remind you, child of God, that when I'm talking to you, when I'm communing with you, I'm not speaking to you on earthly terms. I'm not speaking to you according to the worldly frameworks that you have to come into contact with every day. So I understand how you might get confused. I totally understand. But I'm asking you every single day, remember who you are. You've been reborn. And since you've been reborn, there's a deeper spiritual reality to everything that I'm saying to you. I thought about a couple of, of examples with this. I thought about the, uh, the example of marriage, right? In marriage, we pray, Lord, help me be the best spouse, be the best husband and wife that I can be. Help us be the union that you have called us to be, that you entered into covenant with. And God would be like, okay, great. So you do realize that marriage is the ultimate example of sacrificial love. So therefore, if you want to be the husband or wife that I'm calling you to be, you're going to have to give some stuff up. You're going to have to give stuff up, right? You're going to have to give up, one, to be the person I'm calling you to be. And you're going to have to give up, two, so that your spouse can receive what they need from you. And <laughs> we pray this prayer, right? And God will say, I need you to give this thing up. And we'll be like, God, wait, 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 wait. You want, me, you want me to give that up? And you want me to give 
this up for this joker? Are you serious? And we'll say, but what about me? What about me? Like, what, what about what I need? And that's when God say, whoa, 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 pause. That sounds a little worldly, fam. What about who? What about me? There needs to be a shift in posture. What about God? What about God? What about what God is calling me to? And what about what God has planned for me and my spouse and for us to be the covenanted union that he has called us to be? You see the shift in framework there? What about us? But more importantly, what about God? So when God asks us to give something up for our spouse, the tendency would be, oh, that, that's what about me? What about me? What about me? Whoo. And God, I, I can imagine God saying, imagine if my son had that mentality. Imagine Jesus in the garden as he's crying out to his father. And his ultimate conclusion is, what about me? What about me? What about what I'm going to have to endure? What about all the pain and the misery that I'm about to get ready to experience? What about me? And imagine if that was his, if that was his ending conclusion. We wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here today. Right? And God is saying that my son had to understand the deeper spiritual realities that was at work and at play in his life. And he had to trust and obey that I knew what I was doing and that in the end, everything would work out not only for the good of him, but for the good of all of humanity. But for the good of what he came to do, which was to save and redeem humanity. It can't ever be what about me. Right? We live in a world that teaches us that, but it can't ever be that. And I, and I, I thought about this too with those of us who are discerning vocationally what to do in our careers, what to do, what to do on our jobs, right? We're in a job where we don't really love what we do. We're just doing it. We're doing it to, to make ends meet. And we ask God, God, what are you calling me to do? How are you calling me to navigate this situation? God will give you a response. The response will require you to give something up. The response will require you to take a leap of faith. The response will require you to be someone you may not could imagine yourself to be, but by the power of the Spirit you can be. God, what are you calling me to do? God gives you that revelation. He said, ah, it's too hard. That's not who I am. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not who you are. Since when you start making those decisions? Since when did you start making those kind of calls? Whose life do you think this is? Did you create your life? Did you shape, form, and mold your destiny and purpose before you even, even in your mother's womb? No, you did not. So therefore, when I'm asking you to do something, I'm doing it as your heavenly father who knows what's best for you. It's never what about me. It's what about God. What about 
God? What is God calling me to do? And this is a reborn, rebirth perspective, right? This is a spiritually reborn, spiritually rebirth perspective. A shift, in a, it is a paradigm shift in how we think and in how we live. We're different. We are qualitatively different people for the better, but different nonetheless. And when Jesus is calling our boy Nico, he says, Nico, you being a religious leader, a Pharisee, fam, that ain't going to cut it here. It's not enough. You cannot get into the kingdom of heaven based on what you do, based on what I do. And you have to believe in me in order to get in. And if, you, and, and, and if you want to truly put all of your trust and belief in me, you got to be born again, born from above. You have to experience this heavenly rebirth that is for the better. It's for the better. I want to take us to, actually, I want to take us to Ezekiel 36. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to just show you how Jesus is leaning on the Old Testament here as well. So I'm going to read verse 5 for us real quick, and then I'm going to read Ezekiel 36. Listen to verse 5. Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Check out Ezekiel here. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. This is what God is saying to Israel. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness. And from all of your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of, some, uh, the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jesus is saying that I've come to put this text into full fruition. I've come to embody it. I've come to complete it. You're going to reach this through me. The one who you've already claimed to be God, Nicodemus, you said it, not me. Remember when you said I was God? <laughs> now listen to me. Right? I, I, think, I thought about what Pastor Scott said last week, how we can see all the miracles in the world that Jesus, that Jesus did, even today, and still not be fully convinced. The world might still not be fully convinced that he saved me. Do you know why? Because at the end of the day, as human beings, we want to do what we want to do. I don't care what miracle I see. I don't care, I don't care what, what, what marvel I see that Jesus do. At the end of the day, the human heart, the sinful heart, is always going to consider, what about me, what about me, what about me? And the only way that mentality can change 
It's not by seeing Jesus do a miracle, but it's, by, it's, but it's about allowing Jesus to do a miracle on our hearts, right? That's what has to happen. I can see all the miracles I want, but if I don't allow the Savior to do a miracle on my heart and transform my heart, then I will never be changed, right? And that's what he's calling Nicodemus to. You see me do these miracles. You've seen it with your own two eyes. Now I'm asking you to allow me to enter into your heart and do the work. And, and, and that's where we get verse 7. Verse 7, look at what he says in verse 7. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Don't marvel at that, Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see the wind blow them leaves, and you don't see nothing. But you see that impact, though. Them leaves blowing, and it's being caused by something that's invisible. The Spirit of God works on the human heart invisibly. We can't see it, but you know what we can see? The results. We see the impact, right? I love this analogy that Jesus gives. Just because you can't see it, don't mean it ain't there. Oh, God, it don't mean it ain't there. Don't mean it ain't there, right? So do not marvel, he says, at what I have said. I see you every single day. Look at something invisible. Watching it move things. You don't marvel at that. So don't marvel at what I'm saying. Jesus was something else, man. I love, I love, I love the Lord. I love him, I love him to death. And watch what he says here. Verse 9. I'm going verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? <laughs> Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I have told you, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus says, yo, bro. Don't you know the scripture? Ain't you a teacher of the law? So, <laughs> you know good and well. When I speak of being born of the spirit, you know Ezekiel 36. You teach it, fam. So how is it that when I say it, and you've claimed me to be God, but when I say it, you don't believe? My God, he's calling this joker out. If you are who you say you are, teacher of the law, then you know exactly what I speak of. I love when Jesus calls us on our stuff. Don't he do that all the time? It ain't just Nico. It's me too. It's me. I give all kind of excuses to Jesus. And Jesus would be like, bro, weren't you just on church at church on Sunday talking about I was this great king, great redeemer? Weren't you just there singing in the pews? Hanging in the chairs, hands raised high. Weren't you just there? And now it's Monday, fam. You call on me, ask, asking me to guide and lead you. But when I tell you to do something, you got questions. You got questions. Are you sure? Am I sure? I'm God. Am I sure? I'm God. Are you serious? Don't ask me that. Right? But this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what I do. Right? And, 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 and this text is so impactful because it reminds me that 
I am not simply an earthly creature. I am a spiritual being born of the spirit. So when God tells me something, there has to be a deeper spiritual truth at work. There has to be spirit, deeper spiritual realities. And I have to seek him to figure out why are you telling me to do this? What is it, Lord? So rather than responding with doubt, rather than responding with, with, with confusion, Lord, help me have a posture that you're calling Nicodemus to. Help me have a posture that says, Lord, what's at work here that I cannot see? What can I see, God? It doesn't make sense to me now. But I know that if I seek you, I will find out what the deeper truth is. And this is life of the spirit. This is life with the spirit. He says to Nicodemus, we're in verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Eternal life. And then we get to verse 16. Verse 16, we know this one. John 3, 16, my God. What does it say to the church? For God so loved the what? The world. That he gave his only what? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Sunday school, Sunday school, Sunday school. Thank you, Sunday school teachers. God bless well kids teachers. God bless Sunday school teachers. We all know this, right? We know it. You know, there is not probably a greater summary of the gospel than John 3.16. Probably isn't a greater summary of the gospel. I was thinking about social discipleship 201. It's about evangelism. Think about y'all this week, Rachel and Tyler. Shout out. And shout out to everybody who's in their course. I was thinking about this, right, because this is a great summary of the gospel. And I was wondering, why is it so great? And I was like, okay, I'm talking to somebody. I'm investing in who they are. I'm listening to their stories. I'm empathetic to their experience, right? I'm doing this to show them the love of Christ, to show them the love of God. And at some point in this relationship, they're going to ask me, hey, what you do this weekend? I went to church. What you do on Wednesday? I went to discipleship course, went to Bible study, right? And they're like, oh, that's interesting. But at some point, they're going to be like, so what's that about? What, what, what's, 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 what's that about? You, you know, you, you, you've been talking to me for a little while. I know you go to church every week. Why do you go? Why do you go? And I imagine that question being asked. And our response being, for God so loved the world. <laughs> for God so loved the world. Right? It starts with that line. Right? Isn't it interesting how Jesus does not start with, you will perish? Isn't it interesting how Jesus did not start with, I'm going to condemn you to either eternal life or eternal damnation? He starts with, my Father in heaven loves you. That's what he starts with. Right? And when I heard that message, for the first time, and I internalized it, that God loves me. 
God loves the world, a world that is broken, a world that causes tragedy, a world that is fundamentally corrupt in every way, a world that is plagued by so many wrong and bad things, including me. God loves that world. My God. <laughs> he loves that world. And, 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 and if you keep reading, for God so loved the world that he gave. So his love provoked action. His he, he didn't just stop at saying, I love you. But let me demonstrate to you how I love you. Because he says, I look at the world and all of its brokenness, right? And I'm talking to this person I'm talking to, I'm talking to my friend, and, 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 and we can agree that the world is plagued by so much that is wrong, but for me as a Christian, that's sin. For me as a Christian, I call that sin. I call that sin because we were created to obey God, but humanity disobeys God, and we've been disobeying God for all of our, for all of our existence. Why are we disobeying God? Why are we rebelling against God's sinful nature? That's what we call it as Christians. And God looks on this world. And he does not like what he sees. So he says, I'm going to give them an opportunity to overcome the very thing that is making them sad. I'm going to give them the, the opportunity to overcome the very thing that, 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 that is causing them so much misery and pain by sending my son. Because I'm a sinner, right? I do wrong. I'm not perfect. And the just thing for me in the world is for us all to die. Since we have disobeyed and rebelled, and rebelled against God so much, the just thing is for us to die. But God says, I would not let them die. I want them to live. So therefore, I'm going to send my son to stand in the gap. I'm going to send my son to die on their behalf so that they can then have access to a power that will allow them to overcome their sin. Right? We're breaking this thing down. We're breaking it down. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in his son Whoever believed in his son's teachings, whoever believed in his son's words, whoever believed in his son's existence, whoever believed in his son's power and divinity, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, a, but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus tells us the truth. Tony Evans, pastor out of Dallas, Texas, he, he, he when, 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 when thinking about this line, that, that last line that, that, can make, that can make us cringe a little bit, perishing into eternal damnation. This is what Tony Evans said. He says, salvation from sin and judgment is free for the taking. But if you reject the miracle care that the doctor offers you, don't blame the doctor when you succumb to the fatal illness. My God. Yikes. It's not fun to preach that. And I'm sure for Jesus, it wasn't fun to convey this or relay this because the last thing he wants is for any of us to enter into eternal damnation but if I don't make you aware of what's actually real if I don't make you aware of what's at stake then I'm doing you a disservice 
Jesus. I'm not asking you to follow me so you won't, just so that you won't go to hell. No, 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 no. I'm asking you to respond to the love I have for you. That's why I started with love. I'm asking you to enter into a life and into an existence where you will be fulfilled in every single way. That's what I'm asking you to do. And as a result of that, you will enter into eternal life and not eternal damnation. But I can't, I can't be your savior. I can't be the one who redeems you. I can't be, 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 be the one who restores you without being honest with you. I got to tell you the truth. And as believers, we're also called to tell that truth, that harsh truth, but truth nevertheless, right? Evans puts it, he, put, he puts it rightly, I think. If the doctor presents you with a cure and you reject that cure, the doctor is not the one at blame. The one at blame is the one that said, it's about me. I'm going to go my way. I'm going to try it my way and not your way. And the results are obviously sad. But then he goes on to say, right? He goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, right? He's making the point that condemnation ain't the goal. And just because it ain't the goal, don't mean it ain't a reality, right? Whoever believes in him, verse 18, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only, of the only Son of God. And this is the, we're going to jump down to uh, verse 20. We're going to jump down to verse 20. We're going to jump down to 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, verse 19. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what, but whoever does what is true come, comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Hmm. The light came into the world. But the world rejected the light and chose to live in darkness. You know, I was reading this. And this is not simply a message for unbelievers. This is, this is a message for believers, too. Because I think for us, it can be far worse. We have received the light. We've experienced the light. Yet, at times in our lives, we can choose to live in the darkness. We can choose to live in the darkness of our pride. We can choose to live in the darkness of our ego. We can choose to live in the darkness of our selfishness. We can choose to live in the darkness of our will for our lives. And the image is so, it's so staggering because the light is right in front of us, yet here we are over here walking around in darkness. Literally walking around blindly, can't see a doggone thing, but love what we're experiencing in this darkness so much that we ignore the light right in front of us. And Jesus so clearly, he's so clearly over here by the light, hand outstretched saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. You can see me so clearly, 
You can see this pathway so clearly. Come on over here. I'm right here. Stop living in the darkness. Stop living in the darkness. Right? And this, this, this resonates for us, Christian and non-Christian. We choose to live in darkness because we think we know what's best. Stop being diluted. Stop it, Doc. It's a delusion. You don't know what's best. You don't. I don't know what's best. I'm not the show. It ain't my life. I didn't create it, fam. God did. But, 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 but when I dilute myself into thinking that it's my life, whoo, I'm in the darkness. And, 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 and I can feel it so clearly, too, church, because when I'm in the darkness, I'm confused. I'm sad. I, I'm lost. I feel like there's no way out. I feel like there's no escape. It's because I'm not in the light. And the light's right there. The light is the way of Jesus. The light is the teachings of Jesus. The light is life by the Spirit, right? And, and, and I want to make this as practical as I can because when, I, when we say live by the Spirit, what does that mean? It means to, 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 to center the Spirit, to center Jesus in your life daily. What does that mean, preacher? Well, this is what it means. It means that you have to make the active choice to invite God into your daily life every single day. And see, we cannot make this deeper than what it is. When I sit up here and say to you, read your Bible, I'm not asking you to read 1,500 books in a week. I'm not asking you to read the entire chapter of Ezekiel 36. Now, if God calls you to do that, fam, go ahead and do that, right? But see, God wants quality time with you as his child. Can you spend some time with me? That's all I want. And if, if, if it's a simple prayer in the morning, Lord, I invite you into my day. If it's reading five verses in a book of the Bible, and you reflecting on those verses, you grappling with his truth, and you praying to your father, Lord, help me understand what this means. Teach me what this means so that I can live like you. Quality time. Church, that's what God is after. He's after your time. Will you give it to him? Will you give it to him? Right? That's what he's after. Life by the Spirit. Life in the spirit means that you have to engage the spirit every single day. And <laughs> I promise you, I'm not asking you to be the pope. I ain't asking you to be a priest. I ain't asking you to be a preacher. I'm asking you to spend some quality time with your daddy. That's what I'm asking you to do. Spend some quality time with the one that created you, with the one that loves you immensely. Quality time. Simple, short prayers. Lord, I acknowledge you. These kids driving me crazy. <laughs> I just acknowledge you, Lord. Now I gotta go take care of these doggone kids. Thank you. <laughs> you know, they driving me crazy. Lord, I acknowledge you. My job, these coworkers, I'm about to shoot somebody, Lord. I'm going to cut somebody out, God. I need you to keep me. Keep me, Jesus. 
I'm acknowledging you. I'm acknowledging you, God. And that acknowledgement goes so far. Because once you engage the spirit, you know what happens? You begin to have a thirst for it. You begin to have a hunger for it. And see, you're like, I want more of that. I need more of that. So let me open up a scripture real quick. Let me read a few verses and engage and feed my spirit so that I can continue to go on. Right? This, y'all, don't make it deep. See, that ain't nothing but the trick of the enemy, man. The enemy be like, God wants you to read the whole Bible. God wants you to listen to 15 sermons in a week. God wants you to read 15 devotionals in a week. God, God ain't said none of that. He ain't said it. The devil trying to trick us, man, and get out my, get, if you don't get out my mind, devil, get out my life, in the name of Jesus, you got to say that part too, in the name of Jesus, get on out of here, man, and let me spend some quality time with my father, right? Life by the spirit, being born of the spirit, right? This is why it's important. This is why it's important. Let's get to John. We almost, we almost have to finish on y'all. We almost finished. I love John. This, this is great. I love this. 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Aninan near Salem because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose in, in, between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and they said to him, you know, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, that joker over there baptizing. That's what he's doing. And all are going to him. <laughs> and this is what John said. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bore witness to me saying that I am not the Christ. Y'all heard me say that. But I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom. Who stands, wait, wait, the one who has a bride is a bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy, uh, th therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. My God. Posture goals. Posture goals. He must increase that I may de decrease. It's interesting, right? <laughs> because John says, y'all, I was the opening act. I was never the show. I was never the main attraction. I was never Coldplay. I was never Beyonce. I was never, oh, Lord, I, I ran out of names, Pastor Obed. Who, who's a superstar? That, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. I was never anybody, any of those people, Right? And I don't even know who opened for them. Who, who opened for I don't even know who opened for them, right? But I was never the main attraction. Matter of fact, I didn't even come here to perform. <laughs> I didn't even come here to perform. I didn't even come here to tell y'all nothing. I just came here to tell y'all 
to introduce the one who's going to come and be the superstar of the show. And see, here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. I love this, right? Because John is saying, I'm very content <laughs> not being the one. I love that posture right there. He said, I'm very content not being the Savior. You know why? Because I can't be the doggone Savior. I'm very content not being the one called God manifested in the flesh. Do you know why? Because I ain't him. But I know the one who is him. And let me introduce you to this Jesus. And I love this posture because we have to adopt this to our very lives. You ain't the superstar of your show, my God. You ain't the superstar of your own life. And, 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 and we have to be like John. We have to be willing to go backstage and allow Jesus to come front stage. My God. We have to allow Jesus to run the show and be the driver of our car so that we can go into the light and not into the darkness. Right? And again, we do this by giving God our time. You know, I was going to say this earlier. I forgot to say it. My God. Maybe this is why I should have slides. I'll be forgetting to say stuff. Y'all notice I ain't having slides today. I say I, I, I can't keep, keep up the charade. I can't keep up the charade. Um, <laughs> you know, this 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 last thing I'm saying, then we go, then we go, we're gonna we go head out of here. I this this is a tangential point, but I think it's an important point. If there was ever a spiritual practice that can teach us what it means to lean on God for his spirit, it's fasting. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's fasting. Why is that, Jalen? Why is that? Why is that? So two years ago, Sarah McLean and I, we we led a D course on spiritual spiritual practices. And fasting was one of the was one of the weeks. And we told the course to fast. And then Sarah decided, because she's holy, that she's gonna fast for a season. She said, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fast. And she told me that I'm like, girl, you 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 you're extra. You're doing too much. And I'm like, and, and, and it was funny. As I'm saying that, God's like, you, you know what's funny? You need to be extra like her. You need to do what your sister is doing. And I'm like, why? Oh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm Nicodemus. I'm like, why? And like, and God's like, because fasting is going to teach you, my son, what it looks like to lean and depend on me. How so? When you're fasting, right, and you get that hunger, the only thing that can ever fill you up, that can allow you to sustain yourself in a way that, in, in a way that you, you're able to in normal life, is the Spirit of God. So I'm fasting, y'all, my God, and I'm praying more than I've ever prayed. I'm reading the Bible more than I've ever read it before because that's the only thing that, that, that can fill me up. And God says to me, you know, Jalen, you know, you know what's funny? The thing you're doing now in fasting, imagine what your life would look like if you did it in your, in your regular life. Because here's the thing, Jalen, there are so many gaps in your life. There are so many things that need to be filled up that can only be filled by my spirit. And the only way that I can fill them is if you allow me to take over. And I taught you that I could take over when you were fasting. I filled you up. Now, allow me to fill your life up when you're not fasting. You've seen what desperation can get you. Because, Joker, you was desperate. You was hungry than the dog. You were so hungry. But what did you do? 
you prayed. You prayed. I need you to have that desperation when it comes to your marriage. I need you to have that desperation when it comes to your kids. I need you to have that desperation when it comes to your job. What would your life look like if you were desperate for me? What would it look like? And fasting can teach you that, my God. I hate it. I ain't going to lie to you. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Because I love, I love, y'all look, I'm big. I love to eat. I love to eat. Love to eat. Love to eat more than anybody probably. Hate it. But fasting teaches you that desperation for the spirit of God will fill you up. Woo, it'll fill you up. It'll fill your life up. Tangent point. But see, when we're talking about being born of the spirit, when we're talking about life with the spirit, we need to be desperate for the spirit so that the spirit can come in and, 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 and fundamentally change us so that we could be all that God has created us to be. I'm done. One more last, one last, last thing and we, and we out of here. Last thing and we out of here. I promise you, I promise you. I'm, I want to get to the uh, bridegroom point. Jesus is a bridegroom. Israel, he is Israel's long-awaited Messiah and king. In the Old Testament, Israel is usually depicted as God's bridegroom. John's role, John's role is that of a bridegroom's friend who selflessly rejoices with the bridegroom. John ain't that jealous single friend that's mad when you get married. <laughs> I just struck a chord, didn't I? Oh, my God. Jalen, bro. Hey, man, I ain't lying. He ain't that dude, man. He ain't that dude. Bro, you did it. Bro, she, she, out, she out of this world. I'm happy for you. My joy is fundamentally for you. It translates here. Jesus, you did it. Jesus, you died on the cross. You resurrected. My life is yours because of what you did. I am fundamentally happy that you are here in my life. I ain't jealous of Jesus. And I, and I think sometimes without even knowing it, we can be jealous of the Savior. How come I couldn't be the Savior? How come I couldn't die on the cross? If God gave me, you know, his power, I could have died on the cross and rose from the dead. Joker, you done lost your doggone mind. Have you, have you, are you crazy? Right? But we, but we want those responsibilities without being able to perform them. Right? When we have to take this posture of John. You did it, man. You the guy. You're it. And I'm so happy that you were chosen to do this. Because without that sacrifice, I would not be. Life with the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. As the worship band comes up, I'm finished for real. As the worship band comes up. This is the lesson, one of the lessons of this text. It is a great reminder, church, that if we want to live, and I mean truly, truly live, then we have to remember who we are. We are not simply earthly creatures. We are not simply creatures 
that abide and live in the world? Paul says it best. We were born into the world, but we are not of the world. And because we're not of the world, we have to live like it. We have to act like it. And we have to give God our time. We've come to this moment in church where we take communion. Communion is an important ritual that we do every single week because it is a great reminder of what Jesus sacrificed for us. Jesus invited his disciples to a table, a table that we are, that, that, that we are symbolizing today. He invited them to this table and said that, my followers, I'm about to enter into a space where I'm going to sacrifice my body for you. I'm doing this because God so loved the world that he sent me. He sent me to do this act so that you can be redeemed, you can be restored, and you can be set free. He sent me to do this to save you from your sin. So therefore, I am about to enter into this space, and my body is about to be broken for you. My blood is about to be poured out for you. My body broken for you so that you can have a way of navigating a broken world. My blood poured out over my blood blood my blood poured out for you so that my blood can wash away your sins. I'm about to be sacrificed for you. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son. So we celebrate that, we commemorate that. And, and, and there, are, there, are, there are tables here, there's gluten-free options here, there's sanitizer right there in the middle, of, right, right there uh, at, at the end of the row here. We ask that if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, that you don't do this, because scripture is very clear that only the follower of Jesus, only the follower of Jesus should do this. But if you are a follower of Jesus, come now and let us com commemorate, let us celebrate, let us remember the glorious sacrifice of our Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We praise your name. God, we cannot thank you enough for your spirit. Your spirit that fundamentally changes and transforms us in every single way, right? Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Thank you, God, for revelation. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for the gift of worship and song. And God, I pray that we leave this place today inspired, encouraged, and convicted to continue what we started here. God, we worship you and we claim you to be God. We claim you to be Father. We claim you to be Master. We claim you to be great. Let us engage those truths throughout the week. Let us engage everything we've learned today throughout the week. Don't let this be us going through the motions, God. Inspire us not to go through the motions. Inspire us, God to take what we gained from your service, from your church, and to live it out during the week. Father, we need you. We can't do this without you. We invite you into our lives. We invite you into this place. Because without you, we are nothing. And we acknowledge that, God. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.